Article 9, Evil, Suffering, and Repentance, by Pastor Reed Benson. Part 1, Evil and Suffering. In the beginning, God made the world perfect. To his sentient creation, he gave free will. Freedom to choose and overrides one's instinct is the distinctive quality of higher order of beings. God's moral will is that all would choose righteousness. But as a natural consequence of free will, some choose selfishness, wickedness, etc. God knew that some would choose selfishness and planned ahead to create a world that would accommodate this failure. God is perfect goodness. Evil is the gap between perfect goodness and what one chooses to do. God did not create evil. Evil is the absence of goodness. To the extent one does not choose goodness, this reveals the depth of one's evil. Although God knew some would choose evil, failure to allow free will reduces sentient creation to robots or purely instinctive creatures. Robots are not capable of worship or well-developed friendship. The reason God allows evil to continue is because it is unjust to clean up after those who choose evil. Justice demands that those who choose evil be allowed to suffer the consequences of their choices. The reason those who are good still suffer evil is because they are not really good. All chose evil with Adam and Eve, and all have a gap between God's perfect goodness and what we say, think, and do. For the elect, the suffering we experience improves us for greater use in the kingdom of God. For the unregenerate, suffering is a tool designed to prompt repentance. Grace is the substance that fills the gap between God's perfect goodness and the choices that we make. Creation, grace, fills some of this gap for everyone, even the most unrepentant. This is why the wicked sometimes appear to prosper for a while. Salvation grace fills all of this gap completely, but only the first fruits of it can we feel now. It is not completed until the day of judgment and the general resurrection. Part 2. Repentance in the Abstract Repentance is not a work of man. It is the gift of God whereby he allows us to see what we really are and how great the gap is between God's goodness and our choices. Repentance does not begin with us. It begins with a correct understanding of the exalted purity of God. Repentance is not going to the altar, apologizing to those you hurt, making restitution, or purposing to do better. Those are among the fruits of repentance. Repentance is that moment of despair whereby you see your own complete sinfulness and the crushing reality that you are deficient in every area of life. That moment of despair is when we become capable of receiving God's grace and perceive that only God himself can fill that gap. Until we are at the point of despair, we have not entered into genuine repentance. Pride stands in that way. The proof that you are walking in repentance is your willingness to forgive your offenders. When you see how great your own gap is, this is not so difficult. But as long as you're comparing gaps and taking false comfort in the notion that their gap is far greater than your own, forgiving your offenders is nearly impossible. When we reach the point of despair and cry out to God to fill the gap, God's grace will make us a new creature in Christ. We are granted the first fruits of the Spirit, 
and have new resources that we can draw upon to leave behind our bad habits of the past. Yet, until the earthly house of this tabernacle is dissolved, death, and we get our house made without hands, our new glorified body, we will be lacking, and the gap is not closed. As long as you're comparing gaps and taking false comfort in the thought that the gap of others is greater than your own, forgiving your offenders is impossible. A wounded heart naturally wants to defend itself. This is wrong and contrary to the simple teachings of Jesus. When we don our armor, we build a hardened heart. By faith, we must do what is unnatural. Part 3. The Five Practical Phases of Repentance Number 1. Recognition that sinful choices, the gap, are just that, stupid or foolish ideas that are less than complete goodness. Number 2. Admission of sin in my own life. Acknowledgement that I have made foolish choices in the past and am prone to continue doing so. Humility is the elixir that will make this admission possible. Number three, confession of sin to God and to a faithful friend. God is too abstract for most of us. Thus, we need to confess in a concrete way to some other real person. Can't think of anyone to whom you are willing to confess? That is pride in your life. Until you kill your pride point blank, you are unlikely to confess, never enter true repentance, and never see the gap closed. Number four, elimination of sin in my daily life. Abandon the old ruts, that is, habits, and form new and better ruts. Number five, revulsion of sin in my own life. You are concerned about the gap you may observe in others but you are absolutely terrified that the massive gap you now know once existed in your own life might somehow redevelop if you become spiritually slothful.